You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I'm Brandon. A.K.A. DJ Bushbag. Hopefully people will understand that reference later. <laughs> I bet they won't. You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned, the show where we take some of your favorite movies from the 1990s to the early 2000s, and we take off the rose-colored glasses you may be wearing about these movies, and then we give them a head cold and don't prescribe them medicine. Zach is feeling under the weather. I was going to say, that yeah. is a good lead into just a full disclaimer. I feel like garbage tonight. He's been whining like a fucking baby. Oh, like a long. baby. Uh, just He doesn't feel good. Okay, so we're going to have to stomach yeah. through his, his raspy voice. Yeah, so power through, power through the fact that I might have to cough every once in a while, and uh, maybe my energy Energy level. I, th- you know, I, uh, I thought my energy level was going to be down for this podcast. And then you watch this goddamn movie, which is an adrenaline shot to the heart. <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and tell the people what we're watching? Holy shit, we are watching 1997's action crime thriller. Con Air. And we want to thank the boys over at the Thrill Me podcast. If you haven't given them a listen, uh, you should do so. They're from Australia. They have a wonderful movie podcast, and they suggested Con Air for our second uh, listener request lineup this November. And uh, I got to tell you, I, I'm a big fan of those guys until tonight. <laughs> Are you kidding <laughs> Dude, this was a doozy. Uh, what's your history with this? I, you know, I've only seen Con Air once, probably Ooh, on TV. Wow, a long, long, and, long time ago. And hang on a second, you consider yourself a man? <laughs> yeah. Okay, but you said you've only seen Con Air once. Yeah. Go okay. Figure. Wow. This was a movie that I remember uh, my grandmother telling me that movie will put hair on your chest. <laughs> she never said that. But you remember how, like, your grandmother would be like, for vegetables, she'd be like, this would put hair on your chest. This movie is the, you know, cinematic equivalent of spinach. You my know grandma, I mean? My grandmother never said that to me, but I do understand what you're saying. This is, I mean, you think of some of the movies that we think of now that are just like, this is for men. You like, yeah. you think of, like, uh, The Expendables. Yep. To this extent. Like, I'd say Expendables no. is right where, you, it was right in your, your wheelhouse of where you want to be. If yeah, you're, the Die Hard movies. movies. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. This is a man's movie with message from my own. And what better man to headline your movie than Nicolas Cage? Oh, I can think of a million better people to headline my man movie than Nicolas Cage. Get out of here. <laughs> you are wrong. We are going to butt heads about Nicolas Cage quite literally this entire podcast. Well, interestingly enough, here are a few names that uh, could have been Cameron Poe Please. in this film, all right? Please. Now, think. You've got your pick of the 90s action heroes mm-hmm. here, okay? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Better. Sylvester Stallone. Better. Bruce Willis. Better. Kurt Russell. Better. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Better. Steven Seagal. Better. Dolph Lundgren. Better. I don't think... Okay. Uh, Johnny Depp. Eh. Stephen Baldwin. Better. Brad Pitt. Tom Cruise and Keanu fucking Reeves. I'd say maybe the only outlier there would be Johnny Depp. This is what I'm going to say. Uh, and Stephen Baldwin. I'm not crazy about <laughs> Stephen Baldwin either. Nicholas, Nicholas Cage commits to this role, and he commits to this accent. Let's break it down now. Dude. Before we get into anything else, 
this southern accent. Dude, why does he have a southern accent in this movie? I don't understand. There's like, nothing in context <laughs> of this movie that's like, no, no, he needs to be from the south. He could be from literally anywhere in the United States. He could even be from a- Alabama, which is where his character's kind of, you know, rooted in. I, I, I have no objections to that. Just this accent that he dives headfirst into is embarrassing <laughs> it's so bad and you were telling me that he put a lot of work into this right apparently he went to alabama for a while to quote unquote perfect this accent holy shit dude. he must have been pretty proud of it but let's get into the uh, <laughs> basics here con air it's based on the novel push by sapphire if anyone got that joke it's a precious joke yeah no got Did it get- <laughs> yeah I, I understood it i just didn't laugh at Fuck you, you dude. all right con air. uh it's got a 6.8 on imdb and a 56 percent on rotten tomatoes how how <laughs> shut your mouth, Zach. <laughs> so this was nominated actually for two Oscars uh, for best sound and best original song. How do I live by Diane Warren? Interestingly enough, that song was also nominated for a Razzie. It did not win. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> How do you get nominated for an Oscar and a Razzie in the same year? Pretty impressive yeah. for the same song, no less. Like, yeah, well, what does that great. say about tastes? I know? don't. Yeah, no, it's true. Maybe everything we do is objectionable and opinion based. That's. Well, that's a stupid thought. <laughs> let's tell you. Let's continue to tell you why this is a bad movie. Go ahead. Shut your mouth. Look, seventy-five million dollar budget made one hundred and one in the U.S. and two hundred and twenty-four million worldwide. That's a huge heavy haul for an R-rated action pick. Yeah. This is directed by Simon West, who you. It was interestingly that you said Expendables. He actually directed the second Expendables movie. That's really one of the bigger things he's directed more recently. He also did The Mechanic, When a Stranger Calls, Laura Croft, Tomb Raider, oh, good. and The General's Daughter. Con Air, actually, his first film. Wow. Knocked it out of the fucking park. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about some of the other stars in this movie oh, that please, uh, you yeah. know, headline this vehicle. This is a star-studded cast. Dude, this I was so very excited when we were looking through the cast list uh, just last week. We've got John Cusack. Yep. We've got John Malkovich. Oh, yeah, we do. Steve Buscemi, a.k.a. Bushbag. <laughs> All right, there you go. Yeah, the there it back. is. There it is. Uh, There's a DJ. Danny Trejo. Mm-hmm. Uh, the list goes on and on. Cole Meany. There's so many different actors that just pop up here and here. Dave Chappelle's in Dave here. Dave Chappelle's in this movie. <laughs> this was coming out right when Nicolas Cage had been knocking them, you know, one after the other. It was, the, it was uh, what, The Rock and then Face Off and then this. All within the span of like two years. And again, a Jerry Bruckheimer vehicle. Those two other movies, uh, you know, one directed by John Woo, one directed by Michael Bay. Had this movie been directed by them, I think it would come off as a little less trashy. This movie, like, you almost want to take a shower after. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this absolutely. movie is a trashy, no, pulpy movie. You feel gross watching this movie. <laughs> I mean, just how many times did we just stop and look at each other and go, oh, my God. Dude, this like, is not a movie happening? that particularly aged well with regards <laughs> no. to, like homophobia and racism and the, the just the crazy like dialogue that some, some of these people some are of talking the, about. like general like themes that some of these characters yep. have like there's this one character that has a tattoo for every woman he's raped yeah it's, it's disturbing dark, but yeah. i will say the kind of craziness of it all the fact that it's so unhinged and just committing committed to this like bizarre action flick like balls to the wall action flick is kind of like, weirdly endearing to me. Like, that's what's kind of appealing about it. I mean, if Simon West came out to me and said, I want you to feel like you're doing cocaine watching this movie, <laughs> mission accomplished, man. <laughs> I mean, just, there's not, I think after the first 10 minutes, there's not a point in this movie where I'm like, oh my God, like, 
I hope this picks up. No, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know, it doesn't you give you time. You want like yeah. a water break after watching this movie. It's it's literally nonstop. It almost reminded me of those crank movies where it's just like every single minute is a new plot point that they're just the story con- continues to pile on. And let's get into it because yeah, please. just within the first ten minutes, <laughs> so much fucking goes down before Dude. the title is revealed. So much goes down. So we start off. By the way. Love seeing the Touchstone Pictures logo. I haven't seen that in a yeah, long it's time. Been a it's long sad they're time, not around yeah. anymore. But uh, anyway, it's like it starts off with this weird Army Ranger recruitment video, and then boom, we're in Mobile, Alabama. Which, and we're by the way, Cameron Poe. I thought this like montage of the Gulf War was yeah. going to have like some sort of context nope. in the movie. None. It's really Zero. weird. It looks like archival footage, and also the title is the titling here, not for Conair, but like you know the the cast credits and whatnot. So so weirdly prestigious, like it does not fit this know, movie. It's so weird. This movie like, starts off like this is not what you're going to get. You think you're going to get like a military drama? He really didn't need to be an army ranger, too. Well, although I guess you could. He argue does, dude, because he, he's got to be trained to kill. He's got to be trained to kill, and he's got to be a generable. I mean, obviously, he's a veteran. He's a generally likable person because he went and fought for our country. No, but he. So he is so badass in his like sullen like solemn approach to everything but then as soon as he opens that goddamn mouth all of it it goes away like it's so ridiculous hello hummingbird yeah so let's get into this monica potter is his uh pregnant wife that yes he he calls hummingbird and as soon as she's introduced she works at a bar Mm -hmm. he's coming back from i guess training or whatever he's again like we said an army ranger or like came back from war or something again i don't know if he's done a tour or what's happening either way he's coming back from camp and how do i live it starts blaring over the uh the stereo there the first of second of two times yes out of nowhere these drunk i guess they're regulars at this bar like approach him and start while they're dancing by the way cameron and his wife they're (laughs) dancing not doing anything to disturb anybody by the way you wouldn't know that she was pregnant if Nick Cage hasn't put his face against her stomach, she's not wearing like a she's not <laughs> like wearing a like a fake anything. tom stomach or anything. Like just oh, baby, you're pregnant. <laughs> yeah, so basically these like redneck douchebag assholes come up to him and are basically call him a pussy. One of them says like it's pussies like you. We lost Vietnam. Why are you picking on this war hero? Who does this? He's got I, a ton of medals. I have never met a single person in my life to go out of their way to so disrespect the military in this time frame, you know what I mean? In the 90s? What, what's happening? And what is the goal of this man? Because he he's over there to, like, hit on his wife. Yeah, what is he expecting? What's his... Like, She's like, oh, shit, this drunk here. guy made fun of you. I'm with him now. <laughs> that always works. That's what I do <laughs> yeah, out at the course. bar. That always works. Right, yeah. <laughs> so he goes outside, he kind of brushes it off, it starts pouring, and then out of nowhere, those redneck guys come out, and they start beating the shit out of Nick Cage. Out of nowhere. She's yeah. in the car, she gets out, starts screaming and whatnot, and he loses it. You know, he's a badass trained military man, and he can't take it. He fucking shoves his, like... <laughs> his hand into the nose bone of one of these guys, killing him instantly after he's dispatched the other two or three or whatever. By the way, where are they? They're, I know they're in the bar parking lot, but they're also next to like this oil refinery with like flames <laughs> shooting up <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. I have no idea where they are, but the, they're completely in the middle of nowhere because no one's around to see this. Yeah. And that's problematic for them later on because there's no witnesses, I guess, except for his wife who was there. I think this movie may have a lot to say about the criminal system, dude. You know what I mean? The court system and how it screws people over. 
because because there's no witnesses, he winds up getting uh, arrested for this crime and sent to prison for like seven to ten years. I think you're looking too deep into that. I think they just needed a reason to put Nick Cage on a plane with a bunch of cons. Yeah, and they needed a reason for him to still be likable and a good guy. How do you do that? Well, what if he's just fucking protecting his wife, dude? Right, Some asshole just... comes up to a boss, start fucking with your wife, you're going to punch him back. Why you just protect your family? The whole movie's about family. Family. So we yes. get <laughs> So we get this uh, long, drawn-out montage, basically, of him oh in God. prison. It's the next, like, eight years, which, which, which we find out later. He spent eight years in prison, and it's all just this montage of him receiving letters from his wife, <laughs> him writing back to her, him uh, receiving pictures and stuff of his daughter. He doesn't want to see her in person because he doesn't want to see he doesn't want to have his daughter like that have that image in her mind Dude, of him in, you know, and prison he, garb. And his accent is so dreadful. You can bear witness to this. I by 2 minutes into this montage, I was begging for it to be over. Begging. <laughs> it really is bad it's narration. It's so bad. <laughs> but throughout this little montage, there's like a riot going on. There's flames <laughs> everywhere and the camera's yeah, fucking whipping around and then it goes in to show that he doesn't want to mess with He's That's not him. He's not a violent man. He's just chilling in his cell. The prison is on fire and he just turns over to go back to bed. <laughs> and I have a real problem with how these letters are written because a few of them seem su- like such <laughs> quick correspondence that it's almost like texts because like one of them is literally just like daddy are you ever coming home and then he's like oh wish hummingbird i will <laughs> don't worry baby i'm gonna come home oh man but he's getting out he's eligible for parole it's been i guess you know the eight years he had to serve his time is up he's also made a friend in there uh baby o who's played by mckelty williams <laughs> williamson from uh forrest Gump. Bubba. Bubba. So he's all excited. He's going to go home and finally get to meet his daughter for the very first time. He's going to see his wife, but he didn't cut his goddamn gross hair that's grown out now to... <laughs> he looks... Why did he do this? Why did he not cut his hair? So him and Baby O are out on parole now, and they're getting on a bus to get transferred over to this plane, Con Air, if you will. Yep. Where they are going to transfer them, I guess, to another station. So this whole thing, Brandon, gets a little muddled and confusing because apparently like three or four or five of these guys are literally just on the plane to like go home. Yeah. Like they're being paroled. And this is their ticket home. It's as if it's a bus stop. I, I guess yeah. gas is like blood diamonds to these people because they <laughs> are so stingy with how many trips they are taking. Well, so they're, it's this huge, like, I don't It's like a giant jailbird plane, whatever. Yeah, I have no idea I don't, what I don't know what the is. model is, but it's, I mean, it's like a military-sized uh, plane. And they're traveling maybe, I don't know, six nonviolent prisoners and then, like, five psychopaths. Yeah, the worst of the worst purported to be. They're all getting transferred to this new Supermax jail facility or whatever. <sighs> and so we're introduced to some of the guards. And then a lot of these goddamn characters who are kind of introduced by John Cusack, who is a U.S. Marshal. They're introduced almost like players coming out at the beginning of a <laughs> sports game. They're like, oh, this is... That's Jeremy. He went to Ohio State. Murdered his family <laughs> in cold blood. <laughs> Killed 37 people. Didn't blink an eye. No. All-time rushing yard. There's a mass murderer, uh, William Bedford. There's a rapist called Johnny 23, who's Danny Trejo, who, again, 
one tattoo per rape. Ter- terrible, disgusting human being. <laughs> there's Diamond Dog, who's Ving Rames, and then there's Cyrus the Virus, which is uh, John Malkovich. He's, I guess, one of the most famous killers in the country. I guess. Yeah, he's killed over twenty people supposedly. <clears throat> yeah, he's a he's a bad dude. Yeah, he's a bad dude. And uh, there's also this to add more shit into this. There's also an undercover agent who is planning to go onto the plane. He's with the DEA agents. One of them's played by Cole Meany. He's working with John Cusack, and it's a real, like, young guy, old guy situation. They can't get along. Derp, derp, derp. So this guy, Sims, I believe his name is, he's going to go undercover and try to get some information from this drug dealer. It's just, again... Way too convoluted to get into. This movie was conceived on cocaine in a hotel room in fucking two hours or some oh, shit. Yeah, it's got to have been. Yeah, they're just yelling shit out. But another one of these prisoners is, I think, Pinball Parker, who is Dave Chappelle. And from what I've read, he improvised almost all of his lines. And you had said this at some point, like, it's hard to make Dave Chappelle not funny. <laughs> it's really hard to make Dave Chappelle not funny. Dave Chappelle is one of the best comedians of all time. He's not funny in this movie. He, I don't think I got a single laugh out of Dave Chappelle. Well, you know, yeah. I didn't no, either. No, I didn't either. <laughs> so the plane's up in the air. The undercover guy has a wire on him so the people down below can kind of hear what's going on and whatnot. Chappelle, meanwhile, pulls this, like, capsule of gasoline and a match out of his stomach somehow, like, up through his throat, yeah. pours it on the guy sitting next to him and lights him on fire. And this is all a distraction so that Ving Rhames can escape his handcuffs in his uh, cage there and, and break out. And then, so we're then... They must be in the air for maybe two or three minutes, tops, before this goddamn jail riot breaks out. Yeah, I mean, plenty of time for the pilot to say, hey, there's a ruckus going on back there. Let's turn around and land again. Yeah, or there's so many things the pilots do (laughs) incorrectly throughout this movie. Very wrong, especially there's a gun in the lockbox, and it's supposed to be one of the only guns on the plane, Mm -hmm. and the pilot like takes it out and then opens the door to the cockpit where he's then ambushed by John Malkovich who takes the gun and kills him. And it's like, if I was the pilot, I would land the plane, bar myself in the cockpit with the gun and like wait for the SWAT team to come. Yeah. That's not your job, dude. You didn't sign up for that shit. Yeah. But Cage is sitting by idle while all this shit kind of goes down. He doesn't want to be involved in any of the violence. He's on his way home to see his goddamn hummingbird. I want to see my hummingbird and my baby girl. So the co-pilot is dead. Uh, Malkovich then forces the pilot to call off the alarm that's going off so that everyone thinks everything's cool. Treo, meanwhile, is eyeing this female guard. Something disturbing, man. It is strange. (laughs) Treo being the man with, like, the 23 roses for his rape victims on his arm. Yeah. And normally a huge fan of Treo, it's hard to like him in this movie. Oh, man. There's nothing good about this character. Baby-O, meanwhile, is in need of insulin. He's a diabetic, and apparently he what he had medication, but it somehow got destroyed in a Did, scuffle. Didn't get his shot before he was on the plane. Then it got destroyed in the riot. So he doesn't have any medicine. He's going into diabetic shock. Cage and Malkovich both, uh, you know, let Trejo know of their disdain for rapists, I guess. They beat the shit yeah. out of him, and, and Malkovich gives a line like, if your dick comes out of your pants, you go out of the plane. By the way, Malkovich killing it. This is a terrible script. He takes literally every line that he possibly can wring any like ounce of like. I mean, he's acting. A, he's a fucking hero. Exactly. Man. He like really he does is. the best with this yeah, script. Yeah, he's man. so good in this. I, the the one shining part, maybe acting wise, in this film, besides Boochbag. Are you not a fan of Nick Cage? No. 
Wow. <laughs> At this point, the undercover DEA agent makes his presence known, and he takes Chappelle hostage, and then Malkovich pretty much just kills him anyway because it doesn't matter to him. Then the plan is revealed that they, I guess they're planning to go to Carson City, and then there's also this other part of this plan that I kind of understand but don't really, is that Malkovich is getting paid to do this by a drug dealer. I don't know why or what the motivation is there. Uh, I think it's because there is... Okay, so it took me a while to piece this together, but I believe that there is a drug dealer who's on the plane and the cartel is paying Malkovich to take over the plane, get him safely to a rendezvous point where they can escort him and the drug dealer or drug lord out of the plane safely. It seems like that would be a good blot device if it was like used correctly because that doesn't matter i would say halfway through the movie once they that really doesn't matter that no <laughs> means nothing to the movie really no it really doesn't and that's the thing that i kind of dislike about this movie is while i love the fact that they just go balls out with just like constant things happening yeah it just gets so convoluted and so messy that it, it, none of it makes sense. <laughs> well, and that's I kind of want to I kind of want to jump off that too because my problem with it was I I don't mind contrary to what I say to almost every movie I really don't mind the all balls to the wall balls to the walls action movies like this. But it can't rely on a plot, and this movie relies very heavily on its plot, and it, unfortunately, it doesn't make any sense. So there's this whole thing where they plan to stop in Carson City and switch out some prisoners for some other prisoners, but they want to maintain the facade that, you know, everything's on the up and up and the guards are still in control. So some of them dress as guards, some of them dress as prisoners to switch out. Basically, what you need to know is Nick Cage wanted to get off, but he doesn't because he wants to save his buddy McKelty, and he fears that, you know, Johnny Rapist guy will have his way with a female god unfortunately and and nick cage is too much of a goddamn american hero to let that happen yeah and really so the only important part of this uh maybe two things one is that they take some of the guards and pretend that they're prisoners so they shove them off the plane and nick cage hides uh the wiretapping device that was on the dea agent so that uh the guards will like pick up on the fact that oh shit something's going on and then the other important thing is that Dave Chappelle doesn't quite make it back on the plane he gets left behind and eventually caught in the landing gear but again th those are really the two only important things that you need to know oh and Steve Buscemi is another prisoner <laughs> right, who dude. gets put back on the plane and he's like a guy who's killed like 39 37 people oh, 37 he people. makes the Manson family look like the Partridge family <laughs> he comes out in full fucking Hannibal Lecter chair style with a mask on and his hands bound. And you can tell that they were like, alright, this character is going to be like Hannibal Lecter. I mean, because he talks like him, it's really bad. But like... He's I, Garland Green, the Marietta Mangler. But I, I bring this up because... This is maybe, what, a 25-minute sequence in Carson City? It is overlong. You can cut it out. I mean, you can yeah. cut out this entire sequence. You might as well just had the prisoners that you want the whole time on the plane in the first place. You yeah. really didn't need this. I, get I mean, you, you kill yeah. off Dave Chappelle about... 20, 25 minutes into this movie? Uh, well, no, it's, it's a little further than that because we, we also, some of the prisoners that are that are also important is Swamp Thing who happens to be a fucking pilot. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess this is all part of their plan because also, cross-cut with this, John Cusack and, and some of the, the uh, agents there, they find inside Cyrus's cell. I don't know who went digging in his cell or why they decide to like search his cell so intricately into the walls or whatnot, but they find the anarchist cookbook and all this yeah, these goddamn like, like blueprints, blueprints to the plane yeah who smuggled this in their butt 
Oh, and that's what happened. 100% that got smuggled in someone's butt. And he puts a bomb in there yeah. that ends up killing like three prison guards who smuggled the bomb making materials in their butt. Doesn't seem healthy. No, that person should go to the hospital immediately. Stay in school, kids. <laughs> so yeah, as you mentioned, Chappelle successfully switched the transponder to this other plane, which is like a tourist plane. I guess they're giving like rides. Yeah, the transponder, which will track... Their plane, so they put it in a different plane to throw off the guards or the p- cops, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I also want to talk very briefly about the music in this movie, which I would say is 90% electric guitar. It's fucking incredible. It's amazing. <laughs> Dude, that's some gym working out music right there. Oh, you know absolutely. I mean? I mean, I would play a game of slow motion volleyball to this music. <laughs> There's a lot of slow-mo in this movie, too. There is a, a lot, lot of, Nick of slow-mo, Cage and slow-mo in this, yep. Uh, so Malkovich and Cusack eventually open up a line of communication, uh, and he basically lays out the plan for him. So Mrs. Poe and daughter are now waiting for him to get there, you know, at the station or whatnot. And then some police come in and they're like, hey, <laughs> listen. So they inform her <laughs> of the situation. News. Yeah, Cusack, meanwhile, is kind of piecing together that they may have an ally on board the plane. Yeah, someone is trying to help them out. Because, yeah, they find the, the what, the tape recorder the or whatnot? The tape recorder yeah. on one of the guards, yeah. Cole Meany, uh, meanwhile, the other DE agent guy, is just a real prick. Just will not listen to anything Cusack says. Cusack, by the way, hates this movie. <laughs> Does not like talking about it in interviews, I guess. Hmm. I wonder why. Whatever, dude. Cusack. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Cusack. I do, too. He's bad in this movie, though. He's not good in he's this movie really at all. He is on fucking, movie. like, yeah. autopilot in this yeah, movie. Yeah, cl- he clearly, like, saw the script and was like, whatever, paycheck. Back up on Con Air, they realize that they're going slower than they should be and that they're going to be late for this little desert rendezvous. Um, and like you said earlier, that's because the uh, landing gear is not down. Apparently, Dave Chappelle got stuck in the landing gear as he tried to jump back on the plane. He's dead. Yeah, oh, yeah. Really bad dummy, too, for Dave Chappelle. Oh, man, like a really it's stupid, really wax bad, dummy, yeah. yeah. Cage is tasked with helping them fix the landing gear. So while the other guy's back is turned, he writes with a Sharpie marker on Dave Chappelle's shirt, this is where we're headed. Uh, Vince Larkin, he te- Vince you know, Larkin, yeah, specifically yeah. names John Cusack's character. Yeah, it's specifically trying to tell Vince Larkin, this is where we're going, head there, and then shoves him out the plane. Now, the idea of this, I really like. I think it's a cool concept for, like, writing. And this has been done before in movies, but I like it here. Like, it's cool. Yeah. The shots of, like, his, his like, dummy body falling on, like, green screen. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of laughable. It's kind of funny. But, but uh, again, I kind of like, I kind of like it all. It, this movie, I, I will admit, does a pretty good job at not taking itself too seriously. One of those w- prison weirdos that we didn't mention was Billy, and he's kind of in this a few shots. It doesn't really matter, but he's the guy who is down here reading through Cameron's shit, and he realizes, wait a second, he doesn't have the 15 years that he's claiming to, because at this point in the movie, Cameron's kind of trying to convince the prisoners that he's one of them, that he, you know, he's going to be in there for a long time, so he's got nothing to lose yeah, type of thing if, anyway. if they find out that he's technically a free man... I mean, then they can kind of piece that together that he probably doesn't want to be involved in this. Yep, and they'll probably kill him. And they'll just kill him. And he's got to get home to his baby girl. And his hummingbird. So this weirdo Billy guy, he's going through his stuff, and he, yeah, yeah, reads his letters. And this is where we get one of the most, you know, famous lines from this movie. (laughs) I said, put the bunny 
back in the box. Because he's messing with his daughter's bunny rabbit that he got her for her birthday. This shouldn't be as big of a plot point as it is, but they keep hammering you over the head with this fucking bunny. This fucking bunny, dude. <laughs> shows up like every 20 minutes just in case you fucking forgot about it. You guys remember it. that bunny? <laughs> the bunny, man. Kind of like Innocence. Just trying to get home to his baby girl. <laughs> Roll Tide. That's an Alabama thing. Roll Jesus. Tide. Roll Tide. So Cusack needs to get to the uh, airfield before the plane arrives. So he steals, you know, his uh, you know, that D agent's car because he's a young Wiley agent, and the other guy's just a no nonsense gruff. <laughs> but dem prison boys arrive. Cage winds up convincing Bring Rames not to kill some of the remaining guards there because they basically almost crash into a propane tank, v- very narrowly yeah, missing. Almost it. destroy themselves. It was pretty cool. I do like how much it's all practical. Like there are some CG shots in here, and but I love the explosions and the the gunfire and all that stuff. It just reminds me of like a quintessential eighties nineties action yeah. feel. You know, like even when the cars hit each other, I love just they don't look like that anymore. In no, movies, exactly. You know I mean? They actually set cars to hit each other, and that's pretty cool. So while it can be ridiculous at times with just like the physics of what's happening it's still it's just enjoyable guilty pleasure enjoyable sure so while the prisoners are kind of trying to dig out the plane and whatnot uh steve buscemi's character wanders off and he finds this young girl who's playing in an an empty swimming pool in like an abandoned trailer park in the middle of the desert i'm so very <laughs> i don't know how far this is where because or why or all of the wide shots you know establishing where they are it's just barren desert for miles so i don't know how far he walks out of frame and then there's there's just a trailer park. Boosh is on the loose, and he's just making... Like, this scene here in another movie could be profoundly creepy and disturbing. It's like it's like almost Kevin Bacon, the woodsman, that scene yeah. where like, he's a pedophile like talking to a young girl. It's really creepy and could give you anxiety, but instead... They don't play it off like that. It's almost played off like another action scene, almost. There's a weird score underneath it. Exactly. If this movie was like a standalone psycho killer movie, like Silence of the Lambs or something like that, Garland Green. this is almost, this could almost pass as like an iconic scene. But like, it just doesn't fit anywhere into this just cocaine fueled. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mad Max-ish like hell world that we're living in with Con Air. And they play it out for so long like you're not sure did he kill this girl? Did he do something to this girl? And it's left you with but again they just keep cutting back to like more action stuff. (laughs) He also at one point and I just want to bring this up because it's another movie that we will be covering this week. This is movie one of two just this month where Steve Buscemi sings I've got the whole world in my hands. Oh, that's right. That's right. Spoiler alert. But Steve Buscemi, you know, a world-class actor, he's selling this scene. She asks the little girl, oh, really good. she's like, are you sick? And he's like, yeah, I am. But they don't, you know, they don't have medication for what I have or whatever. It's, he's again, really could be good. a really great yeah. scene, but it just seems so weirdly placed here. So out of place in this film. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so while uh, Malkovich and the gang are waiting for this drug dealer's plane, I guess, to intercept, and they're going to go on this plane to go to Mexico or whatever. Again, it ultimately means nothing because they could have cut this entire chunk of the movie out, this two-hour movie or whatever, and yeah. made it about an hour and a half without this whole middle part where really nothing matters because they're still in the same plane by the end of it, <laughs> and like nothing's changed. No characters have changed. It's just ridiculous. Well, so the best part about this is that uh, when the drug cartel guys and the drug lord try to escape, they end up crashing into a gas station. 
Fuel is everywhere, and Cyrus <laughs> walks up to him. The traitor guy, yeah. yeah. Walks up to the traitor who's like, oh, Cyrus, we were coming to get you, I swear. He's like, Cyrus, please. And then at one point he goes, sigh. And then Malkovich just interrupts him and says, Anara throws a cigarette butt and <laughs> lights this guy on fire. Sayonara, get it? Sigh. Anara. I can't fucking deal Ew, with that right God. Holy that shit. was, and of course, what would a Nick Cage action movie be without him running away from an explosion in slow motion? Yeah, you've got to have that. And his hair is flowing. He's greasy. He's, by the way, we haven't even mentioned his attire. He's wearing a fucking white tank top wife, white beater wife beater with blue jeans and oh boots, dude. He's God, a fucking it's American hero. Beautiful. I, I will admit, shit. it's beautiful. And that scene, what's most bizarre, speaking of writing, that comes right after little uh, Cusack and Cage's heart-to-heart. Like, they meet up finally in person, and he's like, are you, you know, Vince Larkin? Are you Cameron Poe, whatever? And they kind of, like, you know, uh, Cusack reveals that he's spoken to, you know, Nicolas Cage's wife uh, in person or whatnot. And then, so basically, he's like, all right, I'm in. I'll help you out. (laughs) But he gives him this fantastic line. He's like... Cusack asks him, what are you going to do for me? And he's like, I'm going to save the fucking day. (laughs) I'm going to save the fucking day. (laughs) Oh, what a rage cage. (laughs) And for the record, he could probably just walk away from all this. I mean, like, he's helped out the guard. He's helped out. Oh, my God. He's done so much. He's done so much. All he needs to do is literally just walk away. Doesn't do it. He's like, no, I got to help my buddy with his insulin. And the and the guard, and he should be dead like three hours ago because they mm-hmm. keep have this timetable like oh in two hours I'll be dead, but two hours later sure, he's not dead unless this whole movie like and again how long does this movie technically take place after the uh, credit sequence? God, I well so after the, the like the montage of yeah. that. I'd say I mean, it, it it's a day. Yeah, it can't take less than a day, right? Which means he the says first, in two. Okay, the first ten minutes of this movie take place in eight years, and the rest of this movie takes place in a day. So he ta- <laughs> well, I don't even think a day because he says <laughs> on the plane after the ride, if I don't get my insulin in the next two hours, yeah. I'm a dead man. Yes, he gets him the insulin within two hours at least. So, oh, okay. I'd say conceivably this movie takes about an hour and a half. <laughs> Honestly, like in real time, because yeah. it does kind of play out in real time. Yeah. So police arrive on scene. There's this huge gunfight that, despite all of the explosions and fi- gunfire and shit, is really just uneventful and kind of boring. I'll yeah, say, really like, I didn't really even explain the cut. I didn't really get the like the layout of what was happening, the way it's shot and edited. It was just like an, it was just like an ambush. I mean, it was an excuse for a fight scene. No one important dies. No, no. Trejo, meanwhile, is trying to f- assault this guard again, and McKelty Williamson is too weak to help fend him off. But Cage intervenes, rage, rage cage. cage style, absolutely. You don't treat women that way or something. While he's beating the shit out of him. His head off the oh. cage or whatever. Rage cage. Hashtag rage cage. And then Buscemi just kind of literally walks out of nowhere up to, <laughs> to find all this destruction, gets back on the plane. He, and he's holding one of the dolls that the little girl was playing with, so did he kill the little girl? Exactly, dude. We don't know if he killed her. They want to, want to tease us. They want to tease us. We don't know. Nick Cage also wound up uh, tying the uh, plane to like this concrete yeah, so it Post. can't go anywhere. I don't know how he thinks this would work. That but. delays them for all of four seconds. But the hook on the end of this rope here gets attached to Malloy's car and pulls it off. Oh, that guy can't get your break. Isn't that your car? That's impossible. I left it at the office, but then it lands right in front of them, and he realizes that's his license plate. So now he's stark raving mad, dude. He is rage-caging right now. This is the part... 
if this movie were shot by Michael Bay, it'd be a little lighter. Maybe he'd hit his like unlock button and it would go dun, 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 and it'd be like, oh, it is my car, or, you know, some dumb shit like that. But instead, Simon West, too good a filmmaker to, to no. delve to Simon, those depths. Simon, Simon <laughs> West, far too subtle for such intricacies. Sir. Guaranteed, it's actually the opposite of that. And in theaters, while he watched that scene, he was like, Missed fucking opportunity. He's listening to this doing? podcast right now going, <laughs> oh my fucking God. Reshoots. <laughs> oh my God, Con Air 2. Cusack would never come back, but I would love a Con Air 2. Yeah. Have they starred in a movie together since this, Cusack and Cage? I have no idea. I don't know that they have. Huh. I'm trying to scan my brain and that's almost too much man in one movie. I, it's a, there, that's a lot to worry about right now. So as the plane kind of takes off, the little girl does run out and wave goodbye so we know she's safe. Guard, he's, he's a cool guy, this green. We're supposed to kind of su- like him. Guess he's not such a boosh bag after all. And here, at this point, I think we're almost led to believe that he's kind of a hero in this. Like, this is his the start of his turning point for the end shot of this movie that, like, he's kind of the hero of this movie. Let's not forget, though, that he's there for killing 37 people. <laughs> You can't trick me, good old prisoners. No, you can't trick me, movie. He's a mass killer. (laughs) He should have been put to death. I was like thirty minutes prior to this. I was worried he was going to murder a little girl. I can't like smile and love this character. Movie Con Air. Then we get a little Sweet Home Alabama starts blaring, and everyone's kind of rejoicing on the plane. Everything's good, but Malkovich pretty pissed off because he knows someone tipped off the authorities. Yep, someone tipped off the authorities. Someone tied the plane to a concrete pole. He's out for blood and he's about to shoot the prison guard to prove kind of who's a bad guy and who's a good guy yep. and Nick Cage and Baby O McKelty Williamson both jump up and McKelty's like hey it was me I did it so Malkovich shoots him in the stomach yeah the whole driving plot point of Cage staying on the plane and the guy gets shot immediately. <laughs> yeah. But he's not dead yet, dude. And he has this strangely profound conversation with Nick Cage as he's supposedly dying and he's like, I'm not sure I believe in God anymore. Cage then gets up before he starts just massacring all these prisoners, beating the shit out of all of them. And he's just like, I'm going to show you God exists. <laughs> Something like that. It's, it's amazing. He goes up and he just starts beating shit down. Yeah. Beating all kinds of these prisoners. Killing people. He manages to get into the cockpit and forces the pilot to land this plane. But there's nowhere to land it except for... The Vegas Strip. The Vegas Strip. Cusack, meanwhile, is operating, I think it's a fucking Apache helicopter. It looks like one. I don't know. Whatever. I have no idea, dude. <laughs> whatever, dude. Because they've also been having this stupid chase with the other plane that he's been trying to convince Cole Meany that it's not because the message said that they were chasing a wrong plane. Anyway, <sighs> they finally realize, all right, we got to go to Vegas, too. The plane... This is kind of a cool little set piece, I guess. The plane comes down, takes off the tip of the like the Hard Rock Cafe guitar there. Yeah. And starts careening down the, you know, the main drag there of Vegas, lands on the tar and just starts skidding until eventually it winds up hitting into a a hotel and casino. Yeah. So cops around the plane and everybody starts exiting the plane. Um, Malkovich and his goons, however, escape from a bottom hatch. Yeah. Ving Rhames and the pilot guy, they escape. McKelty Williamson, still alive. Paramedics come over and they take him away. Looks like he's going to survive. I mean, never follows up on it, but it looks like he's going to live. And you believe at this point, all right, Cage, you've done everything you could do. You're finally somehow miraculously alive. You can go home and see your wife and daughter. But he looks up, he sees Malkovich getting away. And for whatever reason, his goddamn sense of pride and... 
take no shittery. He has to step up and, and, and kill Malkovich. So this man who has been freed on parole really justified everything that he's done, has saved the lives of countless of innocent people, steals a motorcycle from a cop. Yep. Back Cusack joins him. Exactly. Cusack joins him, and there's this whole chase where uh, you know they're chasing the fire truck. All three of them have taken over. Uh, eventually, very- yeah. Eventually, Bing Rames gets crushed by a motorcycle somehow after or the motorcycle explodes, explodes when it hits the back of the fire truck where Big Rames is hanging off of but Cage gets on top of the ladder winds up stabbing Malkovich through the leg and through the most bizarre ser- series of events Malkovich's death in this movie is fucking oh, it's stupid it makes no fucking sense dude I really don't understand this so so he gets like lifted up on this ladder he can basically he cr- gets he gets handcuffed to a cherry picker, which then gets lifted up while they're, like, driving near this overpass. Yep. He hits the overpass and gets launched into, I don't know, some sort of, like, conveyor belt. I don't know what it is. I don't know where is. they are. I have no idea where they are. Because it's in the middle one... of the Vegas Strip. Yeah, because now they're in a fucking construction site in the middle of nowhere. That's running in the middle of the night, and it's just this giant, like, hammer or compressor, and it just, it lifts up, Malkovich looks up, opens his eyes, and instead of moving like a normal person, it comes down and squishes his head. Why? What are you, oh, and this was after, by the way, he fell through two stories of glass and electrical wires. It's so... It's so over the writers the top were like, we've got to fucking kill this guy. How do you think Melkovich felt about that death? Do you think he was amped up? So apparently he was pretty pissed off uh, on set because I guess they were rewriting every day. I'm sure that wow. death was a rewrite the day of like, <laughs> he fucking falls on a conveyor belt, dude. No, no, no. Someone fucking crushes his head. I don't care. Just dude, shoot it. Second and, unit can shoot it. I'm and done. as you tell me that, too, this movie screams rewrites every oh, day. Oh, absolutely. Just so messy. Not really sure where they're going with anything. I want to ask him to put the bunny back in the box. Nick, put the bunny. I don't. Why couldn't you have just put the bunny back in the box? So Cage, you know, beaten and bloodied, there's fucking ambulances everywhere, pure chaos, spots his wife and daughter, he also finds that goddamn grody bunny that's been in the fucking sewers stops it from going into the sewer it style, (laughs) picks it up, walks over to her, and she is, you know, understandably disgusted by this human being. I've never seen a less satisfying meet and greet. This is the worst Reunion <laughs> ever. First of all, how, how do I how do I live without you? Oh yeah, it's bumping in the back, blasting yep. in the back. The wife is just goes, "Hello, hello, Cameron, hello, Cameron," and he goes, "Hey, hummingbird," and they're just staring at each other. Neither are smiling. They're not kissing each other or like hugging. And then he looks down, and this girl is just like staring at him. She's like, "What?" Most likely the the young actress's real reaction to Nicolas Cage on set. <laughs> yeah, Nicolas Cage was just giving her bug eyes. Absolutely. And so, like, it's this long, drawn out, like, Casey, take your father's present. And he's like, "No, no, she doesn't have to do that." And then she's like, "I have a picture of you," and he goes, "I have a picture of you too." And then he hugs his wife. Yep. And then he hugs his daughter. And she comes around, and then it that's looking... Cusack looks back and sees yep. that, you know, everything's right with the world. They're hugging. Blackout. Little sweet home Alabama. Then we open up on someone playing some craps, pan up, and it's fucking Steve Buscemi 
Boosh bag. Boosh is back on the loose. Uh, there's a serial killer hitting in the, Vegas. Hitting the strips, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't care if he redeemed himself by not killing one girl. He still killed 37 people. 37 people. 37 people. What a great laugh-a-minute movie. Yeah. Can you imagine the fucking end of David Fincher's Zodiac where... <laughs> <laughs> It's like ending Silence of the Lambs with the Benny Hill theme. It's bad. I got a, I'm having an old friend for dinner. <laughs> so that's Con Air, man. Holy shit. Con Ooh. Air. What a 90s movie. You know oh what I mean? God, this, is, this oozed, sweated. God, I got to take a shower. I feel like I feel gross. Again, thank you to the Thrill Me guys for suggesting this podcast. Um, check out their podcast. It's very good, very funny. And they actually have a Con Air episode. Um, but Brandon, I'm, I'm curious to hear some final thoughts on Con Air. Yeah, so this was a movie. It was one of those like dad movies I watched with my dad a lot. It was also a movie that's been on TV a lot. Uh, a syndicated. Lot. And so I usually always saw the edited version. Uh, I haven't seen this movie in probably a good couple years. And so revisiting it, I forgot how... I forgot just how tr- trashy and violent it really is. Like it's it really is like that Michael Bay without the polish. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not like as stylized as like a Bad Boys or The Rock and it doesn't have the I guess the skill behind like a face off and whatnot. So what you're left with is kind of like this this like <laughs> amalgamation of like some good parts of, of of like that like junk food action movie and mm-hmm. then also a lot of just dumb like terrible <laughs> writing horrible acting but i also found it just oddly non-stop entertaining like okay. i was in, i enjoyed my time it is a movie that doesn't hold up well like <laughs> political correctness wise <laughs> but again i kind of like that about it that it just doesn't give a shit ultimately it's kind of a disposable movie i i forget it from time to time again every single time i watch this movie i'm kind of like reminded of parts um because it is kind of in and out of my brain as right. soon as it's done. I'm going to give it a uh, a 45. It got 56%, 56 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm going to give it a 45. It's enjoyable. I'll watch it again. Okay, that's fair. Um, I'm kind of the same way. I Again, this is not a movie that I really remember watching very much. I think I've only ever seen it syndicated, so this is the first time I've seen it all the way through uh, unedited. All the beeps and swears? Yes. They're here, dude. You know, I, I, I always talk about, a lot of people get mad at me because I don't always like movies like this, like just action movies. Yeah. Um, but that's not always the case. I really do appreciate the movies that will just go all out like, this is an action movie, sit down and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's something that I mentioned earlier. This movie clearly relies on its plot to drive it forward, where wherein a lot of movies can just be like, there's a bad guy. He's bad. We have to go get him. Yep. You know, a lot action, 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 yeah. action. Yeah. yeah. But this movie, I mean, they they try and hit you with twists and stuff, but it's so muddled. Like you said, there were rewrites and you can tell they had no clear direction of where they wanted to go with this movie. And, and it's very obvious. You just you can't really comprehend what's going on. And for a movie that relies on its plot like that, it's it's not good. But the action is fantastic. The acting is terrible (laughs) it's so bad like i said it's pretty tough to make dave Chappelle not funny this movie does it nick cage is nick cage man it's so hot and cold john cusack he was just figuring out what he wanted to do with his bathroom that he was gonna pay for this check and and malkovich is top notch malkovich is so good in this movie he's doing what he Um, can 
the music, everything, I was really good. <laughs> I, look, this movie isn't. If you look and take this movie for what it is, or maybe what it was supposed to be, it, it's it's really one of those great action movies of the '90s that was just like, man, I just want to watch people get beat up for two hours. Unfortunately, uh, it doesn't really accept its own sort of identity, and it's two hours too long. I mean, it could have <laughs> been an hour and a half no, instead of the two have. hours that it is. Um, I think all that said and done, I did have fun watching it, um, if not just for laughing at some of the bad moments. I'm going to give it a 35. Okay, all right. That's respectable. I'm surprised it actually got rated that high by critics. Like, Roger Ebert yeah. gave it three out of four stars. This is a movie that, again, released today, would oh, not get the same reception. No, absolutely not. And that's another thing is that I think if you look back into when it was actually released, this is probably one of those movies that people were just mind blown that it was even out there. It's a good little time capsule movie. It really represents yeah. the 90s. So many one-liners. And that's the thing is I think they kind of understood where they were going with it. Had they embraced it a little bit more and maybe just gone over the top just that slightly edge because they do also take it super seriously at times. And yes. so it's, I think that conflicting back and forth that I'm kind of left in the middle where it's like, I don't know if I'm supposed to, how I'm supposed to feel. I mean, maybe have the plane start talking. <laughs> they might as well. They might as <laughs> fucking well have, dude. But have, have Buscemi kill the kid. Withstanding, <laughs> imagine that that's their little Marvel stinger at the end. It comes he, back do, he looks, he looks up at the camera when he's shooting crabs. He's like, just kidding. I killed the kid. <laughs> Oh, shit. Well, we couldn't be doing a more different film next week. Oh, Can my God. Tell us where we we're headed? 180 right here. <laughs> so next week we are doing um, one of my favorite movies, maybe of all time. Um, I can't remember who requested it. I think it was Jamie. I believe it was Jamie. Oh, Jamie. Okay. Um, Jamie, who's been on this podcast before, requested this then. It is a goofy movie. Not an extremely goofy movie. Fuck that movie. See, that's the only... I've only seen bits and pieces of that one on TV. I've never seen a goofy no, movie. A goofy movie is one of my favorite cartoons ever made. I think it's got one of the best soundtracks in a film All right. I've ever heard. Okay, calm down. No, no you're overselling Shut it. your mouth. This is going to be my mummy. I've never been more excited All right, dude, to I'm watch a, the goofy movie. I'm, a, I, I'm excited to see this. I bought it for six ninety seven on DVD the other day. If you hate it, I will compensate it and buy that copy off you. I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for sharing the episodes. It really mm -hmm. helps us out. Give us a review if you'd like. Uh, right on iTunes. We're on iTunes and what? Podbean? Podbean.com. NBD.podbean.com. You can also check us on Facebook. I know we said we were going to get a Twitter going. We'll do it. Dude. We have not done that yet. We'll do it. But we will point. do it. And you also mentioned last week, I don't know if anybody's claimed them yet, but if you write That's a review right. and submit to us proof that you wrote this review, Brandon's got a couple of digital doubles. That's right. I still got some uh, voodoo digital codes for a couple of movies. So send us a little screenshot on either Facebook as a message or as a comment, or send us an email at nostalgiabedamnedpod at gmail.com. Just letting us know that you wrote a review, and we'll uh, send you a little digital copy. All right. So you write a review, you get a free movie. I think that's a pretty sweet deal. If, if for whatever me. reason you write me at this point and I don't have any, I I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm well, really sorry. Apology <laughs> not accepted. <laughs> All right, so um, I think that just about does it for us, right? Uh, really quick, just want to mention that this episode of Nostalgia Be Damned was brought to you by Koala Juice Body Spray. Koala Juice Body Spray, made from the sweat of a koala, it's sure to get your lady friend interested in your musk. Was that last bit the 
Like the tagline? Yeah. I mean, I don't write the ads. I just, they're handed to me. I read them. We got to make money somehow. No, I get it. I get it. And you're doing, you know, you're doing the hard work here by, by talking to these advertisers. What was this one called again? Koala juice body spray. Made from the sweat of a koala. I'm wearing it right now. You want to? I can't. It smells like piss. You from smelled here. that, yeah, huh? It smells like literal urine. Well, I think everybody has a different sort of palate when it comes to smells. I think uh, no one likes piss. Well, I'm not trying to attract you, so. Well, whatever, koala. Good luck with your koala. Actually, if they're paying for this, all the more power to them. Koala, koala juice, juice body, body spray. spray. <laughs> all right, that does it for us on nostalgia. Be damned, uh, Brandon. Anything else? Uh, that's all I've got. Um, I love you, Hummingbird. Roll Tide. <laughs>